Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jack McEnroy, joined by Steve Walsh. Hello. And today we're talking about a film called Treacle Junior that was on BBC Two last week. It's also on the BBC iPlayer at the moment, so if you want to have a quick watch before you listen to this, that would be wise, wouldn't it, Steve? I checked today, it's up until uh, Saturday the 2nd of February, I think it is. So there you go, you've got five days to watch it. And we would both recommend doing so, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's in terms of, uh, if you have an interest in South London, uh, particularly the sort of part of South London we're going to be talking about today, then, yeah, it's uh, fascinating to watch. It is also available on DVD. We would recommend clicking on the link on our website so then we get a small uh, few shekels from uh, <laughs> from the sale. So yeah, southlondonhardcore.com. We're on Twitter as well, SLHC. Steve is at Vince Wales. I'm at Jack McEnroe and at Yids. And, uh, you can like us on Facebook. Yeah, facebook.com. So southlondonhardcore. And maybe buy a t-shirt as well if you like t-shirts, which you all do apart from Steve. <laughs> and I'm Comrie. Yeah, he'll have his polo shirt soon enough. <laughs> the film came to our attention when our friend Phil Walsh uh, from the Midnight Video podcast mentioned that he'd seen it and it was like walking through an episode of South London Hardcore. Yeah, that intrigued both of us, didn't it? It did, yeah, but I I didn't realise sort of how on the nail Yeah, when was. someone says that, you think, oh right, there's bits in South London. Mm. And then we watched it and you're like, wow, this yeah. is... Uh, all places that we've been to and talked about. Yeah, and like significant places in our lives. Yes, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll come to that in yeah, time as course, we uh, yeah. talk about the film. Treacle Junior came out in 2010, won a couple of things at festivals. Yeah. Directed by Jamie Thraves, who made two of the most acclaimed music videos of all time, almost, you'd yeah, say, yeah, in uh, Radiohead's Just and Coldplay's The Scientist, and he's, you know, makes, made videos for Blur, Verve, Dizzy Rascal, and two feature films, The Lowdown, also with Aidan Gillen, and The Cry of the Owl. I've not seen either of his feature films, Steve, have you? No, no, this is the only feature length thing I've ever seen. Cry of the Owl wasn't reviewed particularly well. Yeah, it was a Patricia Highsmith adaptation, I think. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, Having not seen it, I can only sort of go yeah. by some of the reviews, and it was a bit... Uh, they, they weren't friendly. But the first film, The Lowdown, uh, was, uh, had some good reviews. I mean, obviously you have to be careful with British films, because the reviews are notoriously biased. Yeah. You know, you can't really trust, say, like The Guardian, or any kind of newspaper. There's an agenda, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, yeah they're trying they to, want all... there to be a certain type of British culture that exists, so they'll back things that match up to their idea of British culture. Um, to its detriment, really, because if you're not assessing things properly, people go along and go, oh, so this is the best that British culture can be. And then you go along and it's not very good. And you're like, oh, right, so British culture can't be good. And it can be good. It just it doesn't mean you have to back everything that comes out. Yeah, there's an idea that you should that we should be nationalistic about it and that we should sort of promote the industry. Um, you know, the idea of probably, like, it's quite noble that people, or to an extent, that people to get jobs or whatever, yeah, to yeah. generate money yeah. and to have a thriving British film industry. But the trouble is you get, just people get so nationalistic about it. Yeah. Like, um, and it is difficult to make a film. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Of all the art forms, it's right up there of things that are difficult logistically and financially to get done. And people end up going, oh, look, they made the film. You know, as if that's enough 
um, to give it praise. Yeah, like the leg a, work is enough to justify Yeah, it. like there's a film called Rolling with the Nines, right? And um, I was on the INDB message board when I was a frequent uh, message board guy. <laughs> um, and saying it was the worst film I'd ever seen. And it yeah. is. Yeah. It's it my least favourite film I've ever seen. It's absolutely horrendous in all aspects of it. And, like, people were just getting right on my back about it. You know, like, you know, oh, whatever, you know, they went out and made a film and you're bashing them and stuff. It's like, well... But they made a bad film. Yeah, exactly. What are you supposed to do? You can't, you can't applaud these people. You can't give them a trophy for just making a film. Otherwise, there's no point in anyone doing anything because we're not going to assess it. We're not going to... How are we supposed to enjoy the genuinely good things if everything's just all right? Well, no, the, the thing is, that why would you... Some people seem to be lying to themselves that they enjoyed things that yeah. they couldn't have enjoyed. <laughs> I was having a bit of a Twitter spat with Peter Bradshaw, the Guardian's film <laughs> critic, insisting that he couldn't have enjoyed a British film this year. Not, I don't mean any British film. A particular British film, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh, that was it. Um, Wild Bill. Oh, I yeah. was insisting that he had, he, he had to admit that he had um, been biased in his review because it was a British film. I and think it, your specific accusation was that British film reviewers give British films an extra star for being yeah. British. And, that. and he wouldn't admit it. I was like, if it was an American film, you would not have given it that review. And he wouldn't really admit it. I, mean, I guess there's a possibility that he's being honest and we've got different tastes and we've judged something differently. But it's a slim, slim chance. <laughs> that's not to say that we're dismissing Trickle Jr. as a, a British film that's been overrated. Uh, we'll probably come to our verdicts on it a little bit later on. Uh, but I'm only partly steering you towards it because it's set in South London, Southwark and Lambeth specifically. The film opens on a domestic scene. Uh, father and kids and wife in a very simple house. Uh, the time that's been Birmingham, you realise, because he, he gets in his car, goes to the train station uh, and ends up in London. At which point, this guy, who apparently has a perfectly normal uh, home life, gets outside the station and sits on the floor. And then uh, the camera cuts and he's lying on the floor. And you realise he's more or less given up? Is the the feeling you're supposed to get in the Yeah, I think... Uh, the first time I watched this film, I was, uh, I was married, but, you know... Uh, uh, you, not, not, not so much responsibilities maybe second time I watched this film I had a two month old baby right, right. So, it does, so I've kind of it does change my view on it a little yeah yeah uh, well no the way I'm seeing it I should say yeah in that first scene the, I think the key line is when he's talking to his baby who's who is, must be uh, maybe three months old six months old something like that and says uh, well, how many times did you put we up changing your nappy last night and I think the idea is that he just he's got this he's got this wife kids mortgage presumably yeah I mean he's he's presumably employed as well yeah and he just wants to get away from it all doesn't he and it's it's a breakdown almost it is it? A and he just I, jumps I, I, on a see, train Birmingham New Street gets off at Euston and he's just like I'm just gonna sit down and see my reading of it was his home life <laughs> was happy and he was contented but the and the breakdown was just literally a breakdown it's not directly related to the home life being an issue it's just he can't handle life in general there's a bit later in the film where he just sort of, he's talking to Aiden and he's like I can't even talk to my friends about how I'm feeling and it is this, sort of this idea that it's just life in general he just can't handle existence rather than specific things of oh the builder you know it, it would have been uh, probably more straightforward but more crass as well just to do 
an opening scene where it's domestic strife and you know there's like overdue bills you know the camera cuts to the post by the the uh, yeah. letterbox and it's all just uh you know past you and whatnot but it's that's the thing that really struck me the fact that it seems like he's got a contented home life and it's not you know there don't seem to be in any particular uh problems there but it's just the fact that life in general is just too much for him so he comes comes to london and then and that's the interesting thing as well it's not a grand dramatic gesture that he does he just sits down mm. and i felt it, it really echoed what else you gonna do well, uh, for me, at that point, uh, particularly on the second viewing, well, actually, it was on the second viewing, it struck me. Um, Jamie Fraves uh, directed Just by Radiohead. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, of course, and yeah. obviously, the whole the theme of yeah. that is uh, a man lying on the floor. Yeah, what are you lying down there for? I'm just lying down. Yeah, and, you know, the story of that uh, video is this man lying on the floor, and people worry about him, and they come over, and they're concerned... And he's like, just leave me, I'm fine. Just let, I just want to lie here, leave me alone. And then he gets angry and he's like, slashing over. And eventually this woman just kneels down next to him and says, but why, why are you lying down here? And he says something to her and you don't get subtitles for that. You never told what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get uh, an intricate guitar solo instead. Um, and then the camera cuts and everyone's lying on the floor. And I, I felt that this Boy, film that. is almost like an extension of that idea, isn't it? It's this thing of this one thing has occurred to this one person and it means he can't deal with life anymore. And I thought, as I say, the, the image of this guy sitting down and then lying down immediately brought the video to just uh, to mind for me. But eventually uh, he gets up. He do- then there is a, not a grand gesture, but he um, destroys all his credit cards. Chucks his phone into the uh, pond yep, in so- Ruskin Park. Is that where it is? Yeah. I, I, couldn't, yeah, I was trying to place it because I thought it might be Dulwich Park as well. Um, I think it's I think it's Ruskin. I'm not 100 percent okay. reckon it's okay. Ruskin. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. When the station he comes out of in London is Euston Station, but very quickly that's the end of uh, that's the end of it not being South London. Yeah, it? yeah. After that, uh, he we find him in various uh, South London locations. And I don't just want to list all those locations, Steve, because no, that no. might be tedious. Yeah. but I think well, I will end up doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the credits do helpfully, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, cause say I couldn't place the church that he goes to. Yeah. And it's All Saints in West Valley. Yeah. yeah, so he uh, throws his phone away, he throws, it, throws his wallet away. Well, throws his wallet He's... away and then retrieves it because there's a photograph of his uh, wife and, and child in there. Um, and at this point, he's just ready to drift, I think, isn't he? Um, was in the park drinking booze. Yeah, he? he's in the park drinking booze at night. And I think you made me, that scene made me think of something that you'd said on the previous episode, or perhaps just in general chat where you were saying about parks and night being the scariest places in the world. <laughs> and like, you just watch it and you go, what's this guy doing? How does he mm. think this is going to end well? Uh, and he doesn't, he gets chased by a gang of youths and uh, runs into a tree. Yeah. Which is probably about as well as uh, that could end for him, I guess, isn't it? Because if he trips and fallen, they probably would have just like... Uh, Molested him, but uh, yeah, again, that never it never occurred to me. But it was described um, in a review online as a homophobic attack because I guess they're wolf whistling at him. Uh, I don't mean I wouldn't interpret it that way. At I all. didn't at all. No, they do. But, they just go. <whistles> but who's yeah. never? Done, I mean, you would do that. To, you know, it's ironic, isn't it? There's some guy drinking beer in the park at night, dishevelled. Yeah, like, you just wolf whistle him in an ironic way. No one's saying he's gay, are they? Yeah, well, the same review made uh, a lot of other bad we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. But, um, yeah, he ends up uh, running into a tree and uh, injuring his face, which then brings us to the scene that sets up the film proper. So mm. we've established the fact that this guy's 
given up on life and is prepared to drift and he ends up in um, an accident emergency uh, department. The same review that described that as a potentially homophobic attack also said that uh, the next scene takes place at a police station. <laughs> so, you know, you can't really yeah. trust them. Why to be not? fair, they're not going to recognise the specific hospital in the same way we are. But recognise no. it's a hospital. It's yeah. ambulance is parked outside. <laughs> you know, as, as we said, Phil Walsh, he, um at Le Furious with a PH on Twitter if you want to let him know that you uh, heard him, his name mentioned at Midnight Video as well also worth worth following yeah yeah oh yeah great value you know it's, it's like walking uh, through an episode of South London Hardcore the exterior of the scene is shot where you were born yeah the hospital you want and the interior of the scene is shot in the hospital I was born yeah in. I mean like <laughs> there's nothing more they could do really to uh, I felt touched at that point but yeah it's the pivotal scene because he meets Aidan Gillen's character, Aidan, um, a an Irish guy with learning difficulties and a speech impediment. Yeah, and sort of ends up on this kind of odyssey with him almost. Yeah, um, probably too early to critique the film, but I've got a massive issue with films where the lead characters have the same names as the actors. I don't know if that's coincidence here. Tom and Aidan. Uh. But ever since, what was that terrible film with Jude Law and uh, Ray Winston? Where uh, oh, was it Love Honor and Obey? Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it, but uh, yeah, it's not good. But there no. is uh, there is one really great scene where a guy is trying to break a, a car window just with his bare hands. Okay, and they're like, he's not going to stop till that's broke, and right. he just eventually breaks it, and that's funny. <laughs> I don't know if he used. His but that's another one where they've all got their names, haven't they? Yeah, it's part of a series. But then you've got the same say, uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> I think that's an unfair comparison, but uh, <laughs> touche, I'll allow it. But um, yeah, no, I don't know, that, that just, not threw me, but um, took me out of it a little bit. Afterwards, fine, man. Okay. Especially Tom Fisher, the uh, lead character, like, you don't know him, do you? No, like, no. I didn't, you didn't know his name was Tom Fisher, did you, until after you finished watching it? And it, what, <laughs> it annoyed you retrospectively. <laughs> You've been busted, Steve. Retrospective annoyance. <laughs> But yeah, there's a bit of accent humour early on, isn't there? And I thought it was a rare occasion of accent humour working. I thought Did it was you? funny, yeah. No, I really didn't get on with it. And that happens a couple of times in the film. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I didn't like that at all. And it's not, because uh, there's you know, an Irish accent that's being... Uh, it's just, uh, the thing is, I don't know, it just seemed like a really... It seemed like a very amateurish joke. It seemed like the sort of thing that you'd do if it was like your first film and you I mean, it's been done, but yeah. I just thought... But the thing is, with the, with the Aidan Gillen character, I mean, it, the film kind of stands and falls on him, really, doesn't it? Because with the Tom, the Tom character, gonna... he's just a, uh, you know, there's not really much to him. You know, he's just a, you know, he's just he's wandering through the film basically. But yeah. it, it kind of, if if you warm to the Aidan Gillen character, yeah, then you might you'll enjoy it, and if you don't, then you won't basically. Yeah, and I, I thought I thought it just about worked. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Aidan Gillen, and not really for any of his own any fault of his own. Yeah, like say in The Wire he plays Carcetti, and um, in Game of Thrones he plays one of the, the little fingers. Is that his name? That's his nickname. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but and in both, I mean his acting is fine in both, but I just I find his voice annoying, and it, oh, ironically. Maybe it's ironic, maybe it's not. In this <laughs> film, where he's doing, uh, he's got speech impediment. You know, I found I didn't find him annoying. See, it's interesting because generally I like Aidan Gillen. Uh, I, I, I enjoy him in The Wire. I enjoy him in Game of Thrones. I didn't enjoy him in this. 
I didn't. And I think you're right about the film saying and falling by a character, and I, I didn't get on with this character at all. I think we're. Uh... People can see where we're going with this. They've had verdicts. Once we get to the end, it's <laughs> giving it all away. But I feel we we have to sort of make our points as we go along to sort of establish uh, why. Yeah, basically, uh, Tom is in the A and E department for treatment, and um, there's a very loud Irishman uh, chatting to the woman behind the counter. Then she looks like a red setter. I enjoyed that bit. You look like that dog. Yeah. What's that dog with the long red hair? She yeah. goes, red That's it, red setter. You're yeah. like a red setter. Your hair is exactly the same as a red setter. <laughs> um, and then he sits down next to Tom and uh, engages in conversation. Tom doesn't want anything to do with him. But Aiden's a force of nature. You can't not chat to him. So um, Tom goes off to get treated, uh, gets outside the hospital. He's just making his way off. Stops like a cigarette. And that gives Aiden time to come out of the hospital and catch up with him. Um, they're outside and this is where our specific knowledge of South London not ruins the film but you sort of go you start to impose your own idea of South London on the film where they're standing outside King's High Hospital mm. and Aidan says to Tom which way are you going? and Tom points to his left towards Camberwell Green and then the film uh, cuts to them wandering through Nunhead Cemetery yeah. And you're like, that's quite a yomp they've had, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You'd imagine even Aiden yeah. would be talked out at that point. But obviously, that's unfair on the film. No, exactly. That's yeah. all films, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But less so in this, I think. I mean, it does happen a few times where they go in the wrong direction. But well, it's not the wrong direction. It's all achievable, isn't it? But you just sort of go, okay, that's quite a wonder. No, there's a bit later on where he comes down Westmoreland Road. Having been from Waterloo, yeah, he yeah. comes down Westmoreland Road yeah. onto Warfred. But... Yeah. So yeah, Nunhead Cemetery. There's, there's. A, I mean, we did an episode on Nunhead, and yeah. we went to. So we've Nunhead gone Cemetery. from the places we were born mm. to a place that we've done an episode. But there's on a very specific it. thing that came up in the episode, Steve, that that was reflected in the film. Urinating on a grave. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I had to take a leak. Yeah, you know. I was Tom. You were Aiden. Yeah. Which is pretty much, you know, the dynamic of our friendship at the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I imagine that's the only sex scene that's ever been filmed in Nunhead Cemetery, isn't it? You'd hope so. You know, there's no <laughs> need for... But, no, that's when we were introduced to the other uh, principal character, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the Ryan Still plays Linda, Linda, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And she's hot, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Tom tries to get away from Aiden while he's uh, having a wee, but runs into uh, Linda having sex by a uh, tombstone. So it's not Goldie, seen. is it, in the scene? It's not Goldie, but uh, it's Goldie stunt double, isn't it? Um, uh, and he sort of scarpers back of the direction he came, which again gives Aiden a chance to catch up with him. Um, Aiden uh, brings him back to where he lives. Tom makes his excuses at the door because he sees it as a perfect opportunity to break away from Aiden. But unfortunately, as he goes to do so, he faints. Probably because he's had nothing but a can of lager in the last sort of 72 hours. Yeah, but luckily he's and getting concussion. some uh, custard creams down him yeah. shortly. Well, there's a great... One of the bits I enjoy, obviously, he collapses. Aiden brings him into the flat, and he wakes up in the flat. Um, goes to find Aiden, who's just dancing in the kitchen. It's <laughs> great. Um, so Aiden's like, uh, oh, you know, you need a good meal and you're all skin and bones. Um, I'm making ravioli. You'll have some ravioli. And Tom goes, well, I'm a vegetarian. And he's like, yes, fine, it's ravioli. Hmm. And Tom's like... No, there's, there's meat in it. He's like, no, 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 it's ravioli. So he goes, no, there is. So he <laughs> picks up the, the can and starts reading the ingredients. Mm. He's like, wheat, 
gluten. It's like, oh, right, beef, yeah, beef. There is, there is meat in it. Fourteen percent, yeah. is that all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then when Tom realizes, uh, or, yeah, he explains that he can't even have fourteen uh, percent beef. Hmm. Uh, Aiden goes to the fridge and goes, "Ham, can you have ham?" Figures that joke was done better in the royal family, wasn't it? Was it the royal family? Yeah, when, no, but when, I when like... the nan goes, yeah, yeah. It, "Can you eat wafer thin ham?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Aidan finds anything in the house that Tom can eat which is custard creams also a nice touch made in when he's eating the custard creams where it's that frantic doing a little 360 when he yeah yeah just but just like it's like a sort of Bugs Bunny going at a corn on the cob isn't it? you know when like cartoon characters just eat a corn on the cob like it's a typewriter or something just whirring at it but while they're enjoying their um, snack uh, Aidan's girlfriend Linda comes home who we and Tom recognise as uh, the ne'er-do-well fornicating in a cemetery with a man who looks like Goldie Stunt Double. And immediately it becomes obvious that Linda and Aidan don't have a particularly rewarding relationship. No, it is um, it is an odd... Re- even though it's an odd uh, setup they've got, I think the first time round it didn't really sit right. And even the second time round, it is a bit... Like, she is a bit too hot to be... You know what I mean? The, <laughs> almost too hot casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's using him. I mean, yeah. he's got in, like, you know, to live in his flat or whatever, getting money off him and stuff. Yeah. She's a bit where she says, how much money did you make today? Yeah. Was from begging or what? Well, we see him later in the film with various schemes. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when the title comes into play, Trickle Junior. Of course, yeah. Um, the flat that they live in... Uh, is just off of uh, sort of between Campbell and Wharf, isn't it? Is it where what, it's West Wharf? Uh, it's sort of uh, up by Ruskin Street. John Ruskin Street. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is in West Wharf. Okay, because yeah. that's also where when they later go and see the um... clairvoyant. Yeah, yeah, that's also kind of West yeah, Wharf, Hillingdon uh, yeah, Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all that area. We'll same. put on SouthlandHardcore.com, we'll put a guide to the locations. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're going for it so thoroughly here that uh, I can't imagine anyone will want to. You know, we'll still be listening at this point, Steve, <laughs> or want this, or want uh, extra material. But <laughs> yeah, so you realise then the film is going to essentially be um, the story of Tom, this wanderer who's thrown into this odd relationship between this woman who's, you know, uh, verbally and physically abusive to this damaged man, essentially. Mm. Because Linda is uh, immediately abusive to uh, Aidan, Tom feels uncomfortable, makes excuses and gets out. Ends up um, sleeping rough on the Wharf Road. Yeah. Um, and what other film, Steve, that we covered before does it uh, link to? It links to... Oh, because um, it's the, the chemist from... Clint Eastwood's Hereafter. That's he it. sleeps outside. It's yeah. Samico it was, which is That's where I used it, to yeah. get uh, blank videotapes and yeah. uh, headphone jack adapters in my uh, teenage years. Did I ever uh, talk about Westmoreland Road Market on the show? Possibly. Yeah, I mean, he walks down the market where it's just tut, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like Deptford Market, but just without any organisation. And it's without no one's. Stalls. Yeah, and it's only. What, just it's just tables. on the floor with. Yeah, them. and it's like no. It's only once a week. You used to walk through there on the way to uh, Sunday school on a, um, on a Sunday afternoon. 
like we'd go at like is that same t- is that right time to go where people were packing up and genuinely they'd people would chuck stuff in the street it'd just be full of stuff in the street and the, yeah. the um dust cart would go down there at uh five to three and just shut stuff away but they it was very difficult to make any kind of distinction between the stuff they were selling and the stuff they were tossing <laughs> away. Like, you'd go there, go past, and there'd be, like, six different remote controls on the table. Um, but then, chucked away, I once picked up a box of 30 videotapes. And it was they were all, like, some kind of training things. And I just taped episodes of The Simpsons on them because they were only half an hour long. <laughs> I once found a Tori Amos CD there. I'll tell you what, the best thing I ever found there was two photographs like in kind of those kind of cardboard frames where someone had been to a photography studio from probably this one was probably from the 50s and one was from say the 60s or 70s of these quite ugly children and it's just two of my most treasured possessions <laughs> like genuinely you still got but, one now yeah my dad once found jesse owens um autobiography there and brought it to church and it was tabo's birthday right he yeah. gave it to tabo for his birthday tabo <laughs> weren't particularly pleased with it <laughs> But, yeah, we used to find great stuff on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is kind of how you sort of mark uh, what class you're in, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. How much stuff you found and kept. <laughs> I mean, if it's most of your stuff, then... <laughs> <coughs> yeah, he goes up to Waterloo, doesn't he, briefly? He's over Yeah, and again, this is where uh, our, our reading of the film is affected, because he's a... He's a uh, <clears throat> Wharf Road, and he just wanders up to Waterloo. I mean, famously, there's nowhere to get a tea in Wharf Road. The closest place is up at Waterloo, isn't it? <laughs> and even then, uh, he's going to... Uh, he's not even going to... He's going to uh, the sort of tea van, isn't he? He's not even going to... Uh, the kiosk under the railway bridge. Yeah, that yeah. Everyone will know. But he ends up in Waterloo at various points in the film, and I wonder if that was a sort of attempt to echo the sort of legacy of homelessness in Waterloo with historically cardboard city being there and they're still obviously with the church well that church St John's is basically a homeless church yeah yeah essentially yeah but I mean the film with the locations in the whole film what you do when you're making a film is you keep them as close together as possible yeah yeah so they obviously had a day at Waterloo yeah yeah and they had a day at you know day at the Wharf Road day at yeah exactly or half a day in these places and that's why a lot of places they're kind of there's big jumps in between but obviously they would have filmed the bit outside his house, outside Aiden's house, the same day they filmed the bit outside the clairvoyant's house, yeah. just because it was yeah. on the corner. If you were wandering around, Steve, uh, having a bit of a breakdown, two sort of uh, monuments in the area you would go and stare at would be uh, the massive cross on the William Booth building yeah, uh, on Denmark Hill and the William Blake Memorial on Goose Green. Yeah, yeah. The William Blake Memorial at Goose Green also uh, the playground gives Tom a chance to sort of look at children playing and think of his own child that he's left behind but he also makes eye contact with various mothers who are wondering why yeah then he goes for a bit of begging up bullshit lane doesn't he because at this point you get the feeling that he's cut his ties with Linda and Aiden he sort of yeah he has hasn't he um... he's he's found his way out through her behaviour he's sort of made an excuse in quite a natural way and left but then once he goes to buy his tea and realises he's got no money he sort of mentally retraces his foot it goes back to where he slept on the wharf road yeah did I drop 200 quid on your city yeah but I think he you know he intends not to go back to the Aiden again doesn't he no yeah and then absolutely. obviously he's having his uh, breakfast in Herne Hill in the calf. yeah and who wanders in with uh, Steve's, Steve's Treacle the cat yeah 
Yeah, one of Aiden's attempts at money making is to borrow a neighbour's cat, go to food related businesses, ask if they've got mice loudly at the front of the shop, and then offer the services of his mousing cat. Uh, <laughs> just like just release the cat in the mm. middle of the restaurant so that people can uh, see it in action. It's not exactly Paper Moon, is it? <laughs> um, the owners of the cafe asked to uh, speak with him at the back about his proposal. They kick him in, don't they? Yeah, do him over. I thought that scene was sort of pushing it a little. You see, I thought that was interesting because I don't know the owners of that cafe, but my sister used to babysit for them. So oh, I, I wow. know, Yeah, I know of them. There's a lovely bit in the credits where they're thanked. Uh and uh, yeah, I was, I was like, uh, oh right, yeah. And, and as I recognise the calf, but, and this is the thing, I recognise the calf, you recognise the calf from the location, it's by the park and whatnot. Yeah, well that bridge um, yeah, exactly, is uh, yeah. very distinct. Yeah, let's go around the corner, by the, the bike shop, you can sort of work out what, what the calf is. So, um, and also, uh, in, the name is written on the window, so you can, you can recognise it. But, um, and, and this, this made me think about, you know, filmmaking generally. If you go to... Uh, a commercial business and ask them for permission to film in their place and you'll give them X amount of money or not. Do they get a chance to have a look at the script? Most of the time not, I would say. Right, because the, the thing is, not. would you sign off on your calf being used as that location for that scene? Because essentially, so, yeah. a, ma- a man who has uh, issues with mental health comes in uh, and causes a, a bit of a scene but gets taken out the back and just battered and then the final words the guy says to him is, if you come in here again, I'll kill you. I'll put your head in a deep fat fryer. Yeah, but you know what, that's, what message that sends out? Don't come into. Don't uh, try and hustle on our <laughs> turf. But Steve, remember at the end of the film it says, uh, as well as saying no animals were harmed in the making of this film, it does say that all characters are fictional. So, even though a six foot something dishevelled man called Tom Evans... <laughs> I did wonder that does ring a bell, man. Into, this, uh... Uh, yeah, the Tom Evans question. So they reunited this odd couple, but then they also realise that in the the kerfuffle, tree called the cat has gone missing. Yeah, so they go looking for the cat in. Uh, I mean, again, jog forget the geography. Yeah, just yeah. Squeeze but it no, let's, let's mention the names. But it's funny, right? It's one thing when you see, oh, I know that place off the telly, and that's yeah. that's me all over. Just like yeah, yeah. I can't watch with films like this film, like it's so in your face. Yeah, yeah. With the location, not yeah. just in your face, but like if you know the locations, yeah. there's no escaping it. But I end up watching films, and I'm just like searching for oh, where's that pausing things. Yeah, yeah. Pausing things to try and look at street signs and stuff, and it yeah. really, it takes me out of things completely. <laughs> but there's a bit in this where they go right around a back street, right in. It's not even a street; it's a back footpath in. Um, Champion Hill Estate. Yeah, yeah. Where like I walk, I walk to work every day. Like down this, down this like tiny, like kind of. Well, they, they walk across footpath. the Sainsbury's uh, car park, don't they? Yeah, and go looking for it. There it's well, just, yeah. it's, I was like Champion Hill. It's mm. great. But they, yeah, after that point, they seem to be like, he's like accepted that this is his new buddy, isn't he? Like, let's go to the, we'll go to the Horny Man Museum. <laughs> Another one, the Horny Man Museum. Yeah. Horny Man Museum. Yeah. Um, Playing on the playing the musical instruments, we've yeah. all been there, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think we'll have to get to the Horniman Museum, Steve. Oh, absolutely. Soon. Yeah, there's some some big stuff to talk about there. And talking to musical instruments is at this point that Aiden reveals his dream to Tom. They visit a music shop, and Aiden explains to Tom that although he's supposed to give Linda the money he makes from his various schemes, he holds a bit back so he can save up and buy a drum kit, so he can be 
a famous musician, which will mean that once he, and as he points out, once you're famous, people come out of the woodwork, and he's hoping it'll be reconciled with his uh, estranged parents who gave him up for adoption. Yeah, it's a bit of a kind of movie device, isn't it? The drunkard. Yeah. Which I mean, it comes up at the end again. Um, also, uh, the guys in the, the shop are clearly the guys who work. In the yeah, shop. yeah, yeah. They're not professional actors. At the which, uh, uh, comes drum play shack, later. is it in Battersea? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we get another instance where he cuts ties with him. There's been like a kind of the, they meet the clairvoyant, and that's the, that's another final straw. Yeah, they meet a clairvoyant who uh, Aiden has a lot of faith in because she's insisting he's going to be famous when he gets his drum kit. Tom isn't comfortable. With no, the I, I thought that was quite a funny scene where Aiden Gillen is. Um, He's basically telling her all the answers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it Linda? Is it Linda? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's Linda. She's yeah. black. <laughs> so yeah, he ends up going off and wandering off again. Uh, yeah, the clairvoyance a little too accurate. She's like clearly just lifting things from Aiden as he tells her stuff. But she just looks at Tom and says something about his aura and uh he's and he's like he doesn't believe in auras. But uh then she says to him uh, who's Sam and Sam's his son and the fact that she nails it on her first go disturbs him greatly and he basically storms off yeah I'll, this was uh, a, I quite liked the little elephant and castle uh, wander around oh, yeah. kind of elephant yeah. at night time he's wandering through like the underpass yeah. and uh, you know goes past the Haygate and stuff yeah but I don't know, at that point in the film, you do feel like it's going around in circles a little bit, don't you? That was the thing. As a, uh, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it more at the end in terms of running it down, but I got the feeling that this was a, a short film that got beefed out to a feature. To be in a short feature film. <laughs> exactly. This yeah. is it's essentially only, it's about, 80 minutes. Yeah, but it took off about three or four minutes for credits, isn't it? Yeah. So it's only about 77 minutes, something like that. Yeah. You know, which is fine. It, that's... It's fine, but it, there's a lot. A lot of that is taken up with montage scenes and of South London. So yeah, it's, and it's you could have bulked out to two hours. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, as I say, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, it does. Plot-wise, it's pretty. It's pretty thin, and you know, you can cover. You know, the the major points. I mean, the, the fact that we're talking about it in so much detail is largely because these places are taking these scenes are taking place. In places that we walk through quite regularly. Mm. So yeah, he ends up uh, wandering through uh, South London at night. Uh, reaches a bit of an idea, doesn't he? He finds himself back at Waterloo at night, um, absolutely despairing because he's got no money, no chance at anything. And uh, he takes out his wallet to look at the picture of his uh, wife and son. And uh, as he takes the picture out, uh, a, a cash card that he forgot to destroy falls out and that gives him uh, access to money again so he immediately runs to the station <laughs> Run, immediately runs to the station and tr it, you'd imagine tries to get a train back to Birmingham realising the sort of mistake he's made but as he gets to the platform the, the train's just yeah probably off. the last one I guess isn't it yeah it's just occurred yeah. to me so um, at that point he basically needs a place to stay for night, but he wants to do... You get the thing he wants to do a good turn for Aiden. Yeah, I mean, because his, you know, the girlfriend is, you know, she's physically abusive. Yeah. Um, I mean, it goes beyond... She's not just using him, I mean, she's horrible to him. Yeah. Um, and he obviously... He's, he's a, quite a warm human being. Yeah, and He kind yeah. of feels bad for him. So, Tom 
goes back to the flat. Um, and Aiden has mentioned before that he wants to rent out his top bunk. <laughs> so Tom takes him up on the offer, gives him two hundred pounds uh, as rent, and explains that it's that's a good week in Peckham. Man. Yeah, <laughs> With, uh, Aiden's like that's far too much money. He's like, it's fine. Just think of it as money in advance. Even though you get the thing, he's only planning on staying for one night and then getting trained back to his family the next day. Um, he takes the money, but then when Linda asks about the money. He tells her that uh, Tom only gave him a hundred, so Linda's still pleased. They decide to have a little pie to welcome him in, into the home. Um, classic, uh, and this was classic Linda. Well, classic sort of film party montage thing at this point, isn't it? where it's just like people drinking and wearing stuff on their heads, and you and know. we can do this till we pass out. <laughs> um, yeah, Aiden gets very drunk, and while. Uh, He's drunk, he explains to Linda that he held back, or accidentally he lets slips in, that he held back uh, some money and that he's got savings for a drum kit. But yeah, I suppose smelling that he's got a bit of money, she makes a move on him, doesn't she? Uh, he's obviously, you know, maybe he's either not into black women or he's, <laughs> or he's thinking about his family. I'd imagine it's more from Colin B. Mixed, <laughs> sorry, mixed race women. <laughs> but yeah, um, at that point, Linda is clearly plotting to get Aiden's money and shortly afterwards he's mugged for his money by a man who matches the description of uh, the fella that Linda was carrying on with in the cemetery so you know it all it all becomes clear to Tom uh, what's happened and that Linda's not only verbally and physically abusive to him and taking his money but now she's arranging for crimes to happen to this guy so that uh, he will lose Everything. So without going into every single step of the plot, Steve, because I feel like we were almost just reading out a, <laughs> a, a synopsis here. But in, beat, in us first, beat by beats. In, in us first with like location uh, choices. But yeah, it kind of it ends up with this confrontation with uh, between Linda and Tom, and you know she almost has an asthma attack, and at the end of it, Aiden gets re- kicks her out. Yeah, uh, choosing sides with uh, Trickle Junior, his new cat, uh, which he's allergic to, and you know, sort of Tom sort of entering his life means he's kind of been able to get rid of her and maybe can kind of uh, live a bit happier. I mean, obviously he's such a self-destructive uh, yeah. mentalist that he's. Uh... There's a, a lovely line as uh, she packs up and leaves, where she she says some terrible things to him, some horrible things, mm. to him. and he said he, he, his reply to her is. And it's, it's interesting that the character is so sort of decent and restrained. He's like, you, you're you're not a nice person. You're a nasty person. You're not a nice person. And as she slams the door, the the one thing you can think to shout to show that he's sort of regaining choice, I'll get 10 cats. I'll get 10 cats. <laughs> and it feels like that's a, quite a sort of tidy uh, ending to things. But... Right, it gets even tidier. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, they tie the bows up, don't they? Yeah, what's his name? Old Tom. Spoilers, yeah. <laughs> well, Aiden goes to the music shop to have a look at his drum kit, just to feel better about things, you imagine. That's the scene where you've realised it's definitely the man who works in the shop, isn't it? Yeah, where yeah. Where he has a little confrontation yeah. with him and they end up wrestling on the floor. Don't raise your voice to me. I will raise my voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Tom's bought him the drum kit. Yeah. Yeah, um, Aiden thinks the drum kit's gone forever. Uh, goes home in despair. You know, Tom's disappeared. Linda's gone. His drum, his drum kit, his chance of uh, happiness has gone. 
but he gets home to find Tom's left his key because he won't be living anymore. And it, you know, that upsets him. And Treacle Jr., his little cuddle with Treacle Jr., and goes into his room to find the drum kit bought and paid for by Tom, set up in his room, and he has a little drum in the scene. And Tom's on his way home to his family in Birmingham re- to be reunited. The end. Yeah. So what did you think, Steve? I mean, I thought, you've told us what you think. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, a short film idea that was beefed up with circling on itself as a plot and lots of extended montage scenes that are only really enjoyable if you're from South London. Yeah, like a British film reviewer, I did find myself hard to be... Uh, I did find it hard to be objective. Uh, but I... The fact that I enjoyed it again the second time round, yeah, uh, you know, is it's a. I thought it was good. You know, it's not um, it's not great. Like, you know, it's not an essential film. Uh, that, no. You know, you must watch this. No. Like, say something similar, like Nate Mike Lee's Naked, which is Absolutely, a bit of a yeah. similar film, isn't it? Um, which is far superior, you would say. Yeah. I mean, just reading about the film afterwards. Um, I mean, this is in the comment section of IMDb, so you can't take it seriously. But uh, this guy... Well, actually, the fact that one person said it and another person agreed with him immediately. The guy was like, uh, got to be an Oscar nod for Aiden Gillen. <laughs> I saw that, yeah. Yeah. And then the good, and you're like, well, that's ridiculous. And then you scroll down and there's a bloke, I think, yeah, hopefully. Hmm. And then, oh, no, actually, I think the next guy's like, oh, he, no, he's robbed. Robbed, was he? You know. He won the um, Best Actor Award at the Milano Film Festival, didn't he? So, Quite a year in Milano, isn't it? Yeah, so I would recommend it. You know, as the um, as I said to Peter Peter Bradshaw, would what would you have said if it was an American film, like the yeah. exact film, but in yeah. American? Um, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. See, I, I would argue... certainly wouldn't have been as interested. But I, I think it's a, a very good thirty grand film. I would argue if you take the S off the postcode, we don't enjoy this film. If it's all takes place in E five and E seventeen, we're not enjoying this film. I you can say we, Steve, but. I've, I think there was enough there. Really? Yeah, yeah. For not, I found again, it so not, insubstantial. I found. I just thought. Yeah, it, it's Tom, light. Tom, it is Tom light. was a cipher, and you can understand why. But he is just a cipher. She's so dreadful. He's uh, Aiden's so odd. Yeah, I mean, it was just very. There's no nuance to it. I didn't think. I didn't think there was anything particularly. I thought his character, uh, Aiden Gillen's character, was nuanced. Did you? Yeah, a bit, man. <laughs> a bit nuanced. <laughs> You like why those dogs? The red well, dogs with the red hair. All right, that's it, red sir. Yeah. No, I didn't think so. I, I know what you mean. I think there was an opportunity for the character to be. I think Aidan Gillen could do an excellent performance in that role, but I don't think it was written or directed well enough for him to do that. Is my take on it? Yeah, I think uh, Jamie Fraves has done, as we've said, he's done great work before. Like the scientists, you know, we already talked about Just, which is one of my probably top ten videos of all time. The scientist, I think, is also brilliantly done. You know, the Coldplay video that's all yeah. backwards. Yeah. This is the thing. I, I think he can do great work, but not for more than six minutes at a time. And, uh, you know, as I say, there were uh, moments, particularly in terms of the writing, the script, but as I say, the bit where... Uh, I, I, there, I were a lot of, there were some shortcuts, and I'll, I'll acknowledge yeah. that. I mean, there were bits where, you know, movie devices and little bits were like, let's say, like the scene where he faints. Yeah. Where yeah. Are, you yeah, know, exactly. how, how yeah, we're going to yeah. get him in the flat or he faints. Like, yeah. it's a bit deus ex machina, isn't it? Yeah. Also, you know, I've got to put on the record, I'm a huge sucker for uh, 
jokes about vegetarianism where people pretend that they don't understand there's meat in something. Just things like that. <laughs> like, it's such an, a, a, yeah, that's not a reflection on the quality of the show. I'll just like, you know, I'll be all over gags like that. And, you know, I'll get 10 cats. A lot of, uh, you know, you like an Irish set, uh, a red set. There were um, lots of things that I enjoyed there. And it was all pretty much Aidan Gillen. I wondered if uh, Jamie Thraves had South London links as it's so heavily steeped in South London. Because, yeah. um, you know, there's certain things... You know, obviously, like, uh, you're at a park or a church and a location person just grabs them for you. Yeah. Particularly the William Blake mural and the Salvation Army building. Yeah. Um, and some other places, I suppose. It's just, it's so steeped in South London. It's so rooted in a location. Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe it might not be the case with, maybe you could have done it somewhere, you could easily have done it somewhere else, of perhaps. Course. yeah, yeah. Um, but... You know, I wondered if maybe he'd lived in South London, or I'm not sure where he's from, I can't remember exactly now. I did try and engage with him on Twitter, I did tweet at him a couple of times and got no response, and I sent an email to his agent as well, because I thought it would have been nice to have had him on the show and talked about it. Uh, obviously, even just get obviously a... you would have been more kind in your review. But yeah, <laughs> no, no response at all, man. A little bit of back and forth with uh, Ryan Still, yeah. which was, uh, you know, did make my knees a little weak. <laughs> and it was her tweeting about uh, Trickle Jr. being on the BBC that um, yeah brought it to our attention yeah, yeah. she's uh, from West London man imagine if she'd been from South London getting on the show Steve maybe people could tweet at Jamie Thraves and uh, say Jamie you should listen to South London <laughs> Hardcore maybe reply to him now man <laughs> no, he's a busy man Steve he's a busy man he is. Sure. He's, he's doing work but yeah apparently he remortgaged his house for uh, yeah I hope he's doing alright because oh, he's got that Radiohead money now he's since done video, video for Jake Bug yeah he's like big Dizzy Rascal yeah exactly yeah. So he's, he's fine I'm sure he's doing fine yeah I mean you do get the feeling that um, his future lies in music videos and there's nothing wrong with that you know <laughs> I think that's a little harsh person do you yeah I, do, I thought uh, you know you you can't do, I think the thing is as well if I can get a bit uh practical for a moment I'm, try, I'm not trying to score you Steve as if I'm, I'm kind of, some kind of film veteran but when you've only got 30 grand to make a film oh, that's yes, what it said yeah. on the internet no, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it might, even if it was more even if you've only got like it looks about 500 grand, grand. It, it is, there's nothing yeah it's shot on digital and it's a rush and Amy yeah. Gillen obviously ain't got paid but when you've only got that, that small amount of money you have to write something that is very very uh, where well, you're not doing much you know, oh, no, you've got course, a yeah. very small number of characters, yeah. And uh, so it is going to be something light, uh, and it's going to be something where you wander around the street, and there's yeah. a kid at, outside King's College Hospital looking directly at the camera. <laughs> so you had, kind of it was always going to be an indie film that was yeah. kind of uh, not. I won't go so far as to say insubstantial, as you said, yeah. But you know what I mean, something that um, isn't uh, that not not just money. Like, but thirty grand is so little money. There's there's a limit to what you can do. I just think. You could have got a really tight forty-minute film out of it, but he clearly didn't want to go the route. Uh, no, nah, but yeah, the thing is, forty-minute film is not a thing, is it? No, exactly. Like you've either got, you've got ten-minute films, and then you have to get at least eighty minutes. Or you that's know. the problem, isn't it? There's a decent story to be told, but I didn't enjoy this film. I didn't enjoy these. I didn't think it needed eighty minutes to tell this story. Well, if you've got a spare eighty minutes, uh, get on the iPlayer. Um, there's, uh, as I said, well, there'll be a link on our website to it on southlandhardcore.com. And uh, if you want to see some stills from the film, with a bit of a location guide. And if you put Treacle Junior into Twitter after it was on last night, like so, there was sort of uh, when I was when I did this, there were like fifteen hours worth of tweets. It, they were all positive. Okay. And I know you know people often go on 
you know, if someone stayed up to 11.50 to watch a film yeah, on yeah. the BBC, they're obviously, and watched it to to the end. Yeah. You know, they're obviously, and then tweeted about it. They're obviously going to be people who have liked it, maybe, you might say. Every online but review But people were just, positive. people were all over it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, every every review I, I, I found talking about it was, was nothing but positive. So, you know. Give it a watch. Yeah.